I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Deck the halls as you desire. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. White cat nibbling on a wire. Pine tree sap inside your nails. Sorry. And great gifts are on sale. Wouldn't be the Christmas shopping season if the stores were any less hooter than they are. Harder than they are. Chevy Chase. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, December 1st at a theater near you. It is Christmas time. It's here. It's finally here at Reconcinimation. And I'm so excited. Are you guys pumped? You ready for a big, super special holiday episode? Cannot wait. Yeah. Well, welcome back, everybody. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brett Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And it's like I said, a super special episode. We have a very special guest here, uh, a dear, dear friend and our executive vice president of Reconsider Yuletide Festivities. It's Matt Donnelly. Hello. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the uh, podcast. And uh, thanks for having me up to the studios. Uh, welcome. Welcome inside. I know you've been working from abroad and doing all your your holiday uh, research and planning working with david right what, what's going on on the uh, around the lot around this holiday time oh man well i uh got the final uh spider claws uh, animatronics finished uh the place is littered with them and uh and then it's really just uh like three tons of loose jingle balls just everywhere so wherever you just step you hear you hear the bells. I do this every year, and people love it. People go. There's crazy. also a ton of Christmas lights. I noticed, David. How many? How many lights exactly did you end up putting up this time around? That's uh, to cover all the square footage of the whole place. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 close to three hundred thousand lights total. That's incredible. Yeah, so. probably as many diamonds that surrounds his office. Mm -hmm. Oh well, I don't know about diamonds, but. <laughs> So yeah, we're you know we're just trying to get continue to get in the spirit around here. So uh, yeah, I mean I, I love everywhere I go. I hear just jingle bells. I mean it's 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 pretty dangerous. Uh, it's a, it's a tripping hazard, but everybody seems to love it. <laughs> Insurance bills going up, but yeah, everybody's really jolly. We can cover it. It's all right. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're also giving out very special gifts to everyone who comes on the lot this holiday season, and it's a particular. A uh, book, book written by our dear friend, Matt Donnelly. Matt, you want to tell us about this book that uh, it's available now? Yes, I'd love to. So I'm, a, as you know, I'm a huge fan of, you know, Christmas stories, holiday stories, uh, Christmas movies. Um, I, I get a kick out of watching, you know, Lifetime move, holiday movies and the Hallmark Channel movies. I mean, you just can't go wrong with, with Christmas movies, but of course, uh, you know, when you have the big, the big ones, the big names, the big movies like, uh, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, and of course, uh, Christmas Vacation, those are just the top, you can't, can't beat those. Uh, so I set out actually, um, as a, uh, a writer, I, I wanted to work on something, a holiday story, 
Um, and I wrote a book called Naughty Week. Um, and Naughty Week is that time between Christmas and New Year's when Santa goes on vacation and kids are allowed to be as naughty as they want to be, uh, allegedly, right? Mm -hmm. And so the book is about these two brothers from Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, they discover proof that Santa is in fact on vacation. And after some miscommunication and coincidence, they're actually left on their own for a week. And so they decide that they're going to take full advantage of their freedoms. You know, Santa's on vacation. Uh, but then a misfit elf shows up to collect the evidence. And because she's a misfit elf, hijinks ensue. Uh, and this was actually originally written as a feature length screenplay. Um, as I mentioned, I love holiday movies, um, and you can definitely see there's some influence uh, from uh, Home Alone, A Christmas Story, and even like Christmas Vacation. Uh, the screenplay, uh, when I wrote it, it was about 10 years ago. It got some attention, but ultimately never got it set up. Um, so I decided, you know, it was a really fun story, had a lot of heart, so I wanted to do something with it. So I decided to write the book. Um, and... Um, and I've been, you know, I enjoyed it writing it so much. I decided I, I could turn this into a book series, and I followed it up with a sequel uh, set at St. Patrick's Day, and that's called Lucky Day. And I'm actually in the early stages of writing the third book in the series, which will be set at Halloween, and it will be called Spooky Night. So you have uh, Naughty Week, Lucky Day, and Spooky Night. It's all the same characters, and it kind of gets uh, a little bit more and more uh, crazy and wild. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a middle grade fiction. Uh, so anything like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds would, would enjoy it. You know, the third, fourth, fifth graders, um, they're chapter books. So good for young readers, but uh, I've also gotten a lot of good feedback from parents who really enjoyed reading it to their kids. Um, and it is available now it's, you can get it at your local library. Uh, you can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, it's available on paperback hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. Uh, Naughty Week is an audiobook, and it's actually, I think, would be really good for bedtime or long trips with kids. Um, and then starting this year, you can actually get the audiobook um, at hoopla.com, and it's available to anyone with a library card. And that was one of my big goals when I set out to write this. I wanted to get it into libraries. Yeah. Um, and so if anyone's interested in learning about you know, a little bit more about my story uh, and my pandemically stalled television writing career, <laughs> uh, you, you could uh, go ahead um, and head to mattdonnellywrites.com and check it out. And you can even, if you uh, uh, were so inclined, if you wanted to order a signed copy of Naughty Week or Lucky Day, you could get it right there on my website. That's that is awesome. Uh, that's awesome. That's fantastic, dude. We'll, we'll throw that website in the episode description. Make sure people can click on over. Uh, that sounds awesome, Matt. I, I got to say, we listed those influences of Home Alone and uh, Christmas Story, and then also a little bit of The Purge, it sounds like. you know. Uh, so this, this is, <laughs> the brothers just go hog wild uh, when, when, yeah. <laughs> when there's no rules. So I love it. I, I never thought of that combination before. It sounds, uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I get a lot of uh, uh, some good feedback from the parents and the kids that like it. Uh, it's fun for, for Christmas and it would be a great Christmas gift because it actually is set after the week after Christmas. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not like when you, you know, when you receive the Christmas movie, the DVD of the Christmas movie on Christmas day, and you're like, what am I going to watch this next year? <laughs> so, um, no, it, 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 it's a good, 
you know, Christmas break or winter holiday uh, vacation read for, for kids of all Post, ages. Post-Christmas read. That's oh. right. Nice. Well, that sounds excellent. I cannot wait to read it to my kids. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be giving some of those away, but the entry to, to the location where, where we're giving it away on the studio lot, you have to give your credit card. So uh, we may just get some extra, extra dough for you. Sounds <laughs> awesome. So um, where's Die Hard then fall into the influence of your book? Because you did mention several of them, and we all know that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Exactly. Yes, we've and, discussed this uh, you know. several times. <laughs> this is just to get David. That's all. I just <laughs> want to get him riled up right before we jump into this one. So yeah, Matt, where do you where do you <laughs> rank Die Hard? Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, are those high up there for you? You know, John, when we uh, spent some time together. Um, you know, before you launched the studios there, uh, we we had this conversation pretty much every year, didn't we? Like, what were your top five? What were your top 10, 20, 50 Christmas movies of all time? And I never, while I knew Die Hard was set at Christmas and I liked the movie, I never really considered it a Christmas movie. Um, but I've come around and I do consider that a Christmas movie. I wouldn't put it in my top five, I don't think. Um, and I was just thinking about this the other night uh, when I was uh, re-watching Christmas Vacation for the 50th, 100th time. And um, I was wondering, you know, okay, forget about your top five, your top 10. Um, because I did have the top five, you know, every year I'd have to watch, I'd have to watch Christmas Vacation. I'd have to watch um, uh, A Christmas Story, It's mm-hmm. a Wonderful Life. And love actually i would go. i would watch that every year yep. and i think i threw in you know the charlie brown christmas and how the grinch stole christmas the animated short uh tv series uh tv special um i would count those but if i had to take one uh christmas movie uh to me away like on a deserted island and all i had was a dvd player and a tv and like a solar power and a, you know uh what do you call that? The um, uh, whatever. If I had power on a deserted yeah. island, I would bring one movie. I would bring one Christmas movie, and that would be Christmas Vacation, hands down. That's the movie I would want to see every year if I could only watch one. The uh, the rewatchability of this one is ranks pretty high. I'll have to say. It does. It absolutely does. I watched it, uh, like I said, two nights ago, and then they had it on in the back before. Uh, I came out here and um, I had to watch, I just started watching it again. Yeah. So yeah, like Matt was saying back in the, the old days, uh, pre Recon cinema studios, uh, when Matt and I were working together, we used to have Christmas marathons. So we would, we would screen films in our office from, you know, starting right after th- the Monday after Thanksgiving, going all the way up to Christmas break, whenever that was. And something was always running. So we would pick whatever has le- least Christmas related, like scenes set at Christmas, which we've talked about a lot of those movies because, th- God, there's so many movies that have scenes, you know, set around Christmas and then leading up to the pure Christmas movies. And and Matt, David and, and Brent and I have been going back and forth all month. We covered Lethal Weapon. We covered Better Off Dead which rank a little further away from the true Christmas spirit. Right, guys? You agree? Yeah. Yep. And now we're transitioning to pure Christmas. 
And that's why we're all gathered here for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. Don we now our gay apparel. Fa la 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 la. Hey, you'll tie Carol. Fa la 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 la. Take it, Russ. Fa la 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 la. Ba Solid. Solid. Which get excited. Which actually ties back to way back to episode two of our show. When we covered National Lampoon's vacation, that's right. But we didn't. We didn't do European vacation. No, we haven't. And I, I was honestly like, when making the lineup this year, I was really torn because I wanted to do European vacation first and then hit Christmas vacation. I like to go in order. You guys know that. Uh, but you know, and I had something plugged in here, and it just didn't feel right. So at the last minute, I was like, "Who, guys? Who am I kidding? Let's yeah. let's talk about Clark W. Griswold." Yeah, I think it was. I, this is a better Christmas movie than The Warriors, which we were, which we were originally going to do. Uh, hey, that's so, very Christmassy. It's very Christmassy. So no, this is a it's a great choice, and <laughs> you know, and the the great thing about the the vacation movies is they really just kind of exist uh, as their own thing. So it's it's just because it came out as the third movie made doesn't matter. When it, well, next time we're feeling international, we'll we'll throw European vacation on. Absolutely. Right. And as you know, as uh, the Griswold children prove, uh, you know, there is no set timeline or really just a person to uh, to portray those characters or 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 when each one of those movies really happens. Yeah, Yeah, the, the whole timeline of the vacation movies is very bizarre. And there's there's some theories that are are behind that, which we'll go into a little bit later, but about why the kids look different and how that relates with Clark and why, you know, they look different, but he doesn't. And where these, you know, there's some, some literal, like what years these are happening, where you can sort of tie them together. It doesn't always line up, but uh, I don't know. What's uh, let's, let's talk about when we first saw this movie. Uh, Matt, why don't you kick it off? When did you first see Christmas vacation? I can tell you, um, for 100% certainty that I saw it on December 22nd, 1989. Wow. Because as a youngster, I obsessively collected any type of keepsake I could get my hands on that includes movie tickets. And I, when I was thinking about, you know, this coming on here and talking to you guys, I, I knew I had, you know, a couple of years ago, my parents sent me a box of stuff that I had saved over the years. And, um, I still have my Christmas vacation movie stub from December 22nd, 1989. I saw the 330 show at Lowe's theaters and it cost me $3 and 50 cents at that's the white Flint mall. It doesn't exist anymore in Rockville, Maryland. Wow. Wow. Those ticket prices. I remember those. Those are outrageous. uh, Whoa. Look at that. If, if if only anyone could see that right now, that's a, Mm. that's a, it's an impressive display I mean, of tickets. It's unbelievable. Like I was looking at this, yeah, but that's that's uh, I I can tell you when I saw Ernest Saves Christmas. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch here. But wow, are, do you have them in order? That's awesome. I I don't think they are because Home Alone was on the page before this one. Yikes! And Home Alone was the following year or the year two years after. I think it was, well, the, it was the following year, ninety. Yeah, I saw that the day before Thanksgiving. 
Um, and I saw this one two days before Christmas. That, that is, is awesome. uh, that is amazing. That's incredible that you have all those. In, I wish I had kept some of mine. In all the podcasts that, that have ever been done by Reconcinimation Studios, I don't know that any one of us has been able to pinpoint the exact day <laughs> that we saw any one of the movies that we've talked about. Yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy. Well, uh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, uh, Brent, how about you? When did you see it? Did you catch it in the theater or was this a home video? Definitely caught it in the theater. I can tell you which theater. I cannot tell you which day. You can't compete uh, with Matt. I cannot. <laughs> I've hands down. I'm not even going to try, but, uh, yeah, saw it in the theater with my family. Uh, it would have been probably right around the same time, uh, you know, that December time, uh, leading up to Christmas, but yeah, uh, saw it in the theater, Westwood Mall, which also does not exist anymore. Uh, but yeah, it was a family outing. Very nice, fitting, very fitting. David, how about you? Catch in the I, theater? Probably. I think it's very much, this might have been one of the few theater movies I would have seen with my whole family <clears throat> back then. Can't, 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 can't quite place it though, but I'm pretty sure that happened. Uh, and then it became, you know, and after just seeing it so many times, I, I don't really remember the first experience. Uh, so, so it didn't not, stick with you, but how about later on when you saw it on video? Did it? Uh... Well, yeah, I just had seen it so many times since I'm, you know, just laughing like an idiot every time. Um, but yeah, you, I don't you do. You do. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember the first time on this camp, but I, I'm very confident because we would often see like, at Christmas, one movie as a family, I think, for for a minute there. So probably uh, General Cinema. Yeah. Uh, at the Viewmont Mall, probably. All right. Well, I only saw one Christmas movie in 1989, and it's the best one. It was called Prancer. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no. keeping the movie. <laughs> just wanted to note that uh, of all my movie ticket collection, there's no Prancer uh, here. Oh. Well, yeah, Prancer. Have you seen uh, it since though? No. Does it hold up? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it held up then. Did Did it ever make our marathon? Or, no, or never. Well, okay. I think also it was it was one of those that was really hard to find on video because it was Prancer's almost like a. Uh, like a family channel movie that just made it to theaters. But if there was anyone that could find a movie on home video, John, I think it would be you. Oh, I uh, don't challenge me. I, I can get it <laughs> if I need to get it. No, but uh, keeping the rhythm going, I also saw Christmas Vacation in the theaters. It was uh, same as you guys, probably right around the same time, but uh, I can't remember the exact day, but I saw it at the Cortland Town Center which had, I think it was like a fourplex, like four theater, you know, small uh, movie theater. That's been torn down. Now there's a gigantic uh, AMC theater there that takes up half the parking lot. But um, I love the old theater. But And that was Christmas Vacation was, I think it was towards the end of that movie theater's existence. So uh, I know by the 90s, the mid 90s, that was gone. But uh, I loved loved seeing in the theater and right away, like, it hit home. I was uh, super into that. Then years later, working at Suncoast, I that was like one of our top sellers. It, it like sold like crazy every holiday season. 
and everybody everybody wanted some some Clark Griswold. Who doesn't? Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're gonna press on, and we're gonna have the hap hap happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's gonna find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. So, all right, we've talked about, obviously, we've already kind of covered it, but this is pretty high up there on all of our Christmas lists, right? Yeah. For, for me, this one goes back and forth between number one and number two. It's always, for me, it's this and a Christmas story. It used to be Christmas Vacation was my Christmas Eve movie, and then Christmas Story would always be my Christmas Day. I kind of have like flip-flopped those the last couple of years. I'm kind of feeling vacation more. Maybe, you know, just as I'm getting older and a dad, maybe that has something to do with it. But what about you guys? Is it How, how high does it rank exactly? It's funny you ask. I actually dusted off my old, uh, so like three years ago, I put together kind of a top, it's not really top five, it's more like top seven list. And this is solidly sitting at number four. Number four. Wow. Yes. What, what tops it? Elf, mm -hmm. Die Hard, Gremlins, and then Christmas Vacation. So only very only because I, I keep a very I like to keep it mixed, you know. Yeah. I like yeah. a mixed bag of of movies. So I like it. Uh Die Hard's there. This is these are the movies that I require myself to go back and rewatch every year leading up to to the actual Christmas Day. Yeah. Interesting. Die Hard and Gremlins. I love it that those are in, in your top four. Yes. I'm not, you know, I'm not. Uh, a huge fan. I don't dislike the movie, but It's a Wonderful Life does not rank up in my like, I have to watch this. I like, I almost never watch it. I, I watch it maybe like once every 10 years. I loved it as a kid and then saw it so many times that, yeah, it doesn't, I don't, I don't go back to it very often. Um, that was always my Christmas Eve movie uh, as an adult. I think the first time I saw it was in grade school. Mm -hmm. We saw mm -hmm. it, you know, uh, in school. In, Did you watch it like yeah, in, in class? Yeah. yeah. No. Yes. Yes. And um, and for me, yeah, like, like kind of what you were saying about Christmas Vacation is your Christmas Eve movie, and Christmas Story is your Christmas Day movie. I always thought I always watched a uh, It's a Wonderful Life usually late after dinner, late night, uh, Christmas Eve, and it would just sort of make me feel all warm and fuzzy. I think Christmas Vacation is a great Thanksgiving weekend movie to sort of kick off that season. Um, and I kind of, you kind of make a, or I started thinking about, you know, what makes a good Christmas movie in general. And I think it's the, you, if you look at the ones that kind of, that, that lead up to Christmas, that, that, you know, end on Christmas Eve, there's a lot of, uh, there's similarities there, whether it's Elf or even Christmas Vacation, Gremlins even, Die Hard, um, even It's a Wonderful Life, they end on Christmas Eve. Right. And um, the one sort of outlier, I think, is A Christmas Story, where you get mm -hmm. a whole, like the whole third act is is on Christmas Day. So that, I think, makes that a great Christmas Day movie to watch. Yeah. I was late in joining the Christmas Story uh, Club. I kind of avoided that one growing up. 
mostly because of that and it's a wonderful life were just on tv all the time all those all day marathons yeah. and i was like yeah that's an like it's overdoing it so i kind of pushed away from those but i don't remember ever seeing a christmas story until after college and yeah, then that was and, the same yeah and then when it started doing the 24 hour tbs run you know on christmas eve to christmas day i was like it was i i just always had it on i feel like i've seen it 7000 times now but it's <laughs> like i don't remember ever seeing it prior to to school huh yeah i remember it growing up a lot Do i you? mean yeah. yeah i don't remember was it did it was it played like that not like on, 24 hours on 24 I, hour run? i remember i remember christmas story probably through the 90s it kind of gaining momentum on tbs that it yeah. went from just showing it to like, then it was back to back and then it was all day. So some, somewhere by the late nineties, it was going. Yeah. David, what about you? Where, where's uh, Christmas vacation rank in your, your Christmas list? Is it up there? Oh yeah. 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 It's probably top three. Maybe I don't really know exactly what it, that, that would change every year. Kind of if I was to bother doing that <laughs> to bother ranking them, but uh, like like you guys, but uh, for a long time, <laughs> Chris, Christmas Story was in there. I don't know if I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm so hot on Christmas Story anymore. Um, maybe it's too the same much thing. play. Too much play. Maybe too much play. It's getting a. It gets a little, you know. And it's. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know, but it, it's still a fine, fine, excellent, excellent film. So uh, you know, everybody, everyone's got their thing, right? Uh, and there's still great moments to love about about it. And anyway. Uh, uh, so, you know, yeah, this is definitely one that, uh, probably with Elf, um, maybe like a Home Alone, to be honest with you. I know it's not, it's not exactly, a, yeah, don't it's forget. Christmas, it's Christmas oriented, but it's not, you know, still a don't, kid. Don't you dare forget about Home Alone. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, I, I mean, that's one that ends on Christmas day, right? Isn't the, isn't the yeah. day that yeah, she, she, she the gets, mom gets spoil, back? Spoiler alert. Yeah. She gets home. Oh, Christmas okay, sorry. Day. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a movie that you couldn't do uh today just because everyone has cell phones now right and so yeah. uh that movie doesn't exist uh well after disney plus talk to disney plus yeah they yeah. just they made another they just one made yeah, a Matt, new one. call them call disney plus what happened? i don't know how they get around that actually now that i have now that you yes. say that it, it's a perfect point but i don't know how they get around it out of battery the cell phones are all out of batteries to circle it, back to naughty week i ended up it has to be a period piece just so I can avoid the cell phone thing because it's set, it's actually set in 2012. And I can't, you know, at that point, not every kid had an iPad or an iPhone right. um, like they do now. Uh, and so I had to, I had to be a little, you have to be very creative when you're trying to just put kids home alone like that. So um, I haven't caught, I haven't seen the new one, uh, but I know it exists. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how they do it. And there's like five other ones too. There's yeah. like there's like four sequels or something. Yeah, but those ended a while ago. I feel like this one, like literally, I think came out maybe earlier in November. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're correct about that. So, I think my kids have already seen it like 50 times. I'll just have to ask them to see. Is it around that cell phone? Is it set at Christmas? Because I think number three wasn't Christmas. I I, I lost track after two. So honestly, yeah. I don't, 
I actually don't think I've seen all the Home Alone sequels. Definitely seen the first two. If you don't have Mac, you can't go. Back. Yeah, you got to have Mac. You got to have Mac. Right, because the third one had a new kid in it, right? Yeah, it new, new, new kid. kid. Family. Yeah. Well, and just, I don't know. You know what? Let's When we cool. do our Home Alone episode, let's yeah. circle back about the sequels. And Because I thought in this new one, like, doesn't Kevin McAllister, like, come into play somewhere? There's some... I think there's some kind of tie-in, or or maybe in this new one. Yeah, Buzz is in the movie. Buzz, the the brother, the brother is in it. Wow, that's I think that's, uh, like that's going to draw guard. me in. Yeah, I think it's just, just a, a throwback. It's not like a, a selling point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let, circling back to Christmas Vacation, yeah. and you know, this movie. There's so much about this movie that I love. There's so much that works. That to me, it goes, you know, it gets categorized as a Christmas film, but I think it really goes beyond that. I think it's a great, just a great comedy in general. Yeah, of course. Like this, this, you can watch this any time of year and you're, you're going to have a, you're going to have a riot. It's just hilarious. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so all the character work that's here and, and I, I've heard, I have heard some people kind of voice complaints about, the relatives the grand you know the grandparents that uh or or clark and and ellen's parents that that there's just not enough character development with them that they're all such great actors which they are that you really don't get the full amount that you could from those characters but i don't know i don't know if you need that i i think they're great for the performances that they gave um and there's just so much of you know we're going to talk a lot about chevy chase and and where he is in the 80s that his comic timing and um, you know his physicality are are so key to his success, and they're just riding at such a high level in this film. Yes, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. You guys ag- agree with that? Absolutely. My appreciation for this movie has grown over the years too. Like, I. I think when I first saw it, I was not necessarily like, I liked it a lot, but I was also what 11 probably when I saw this. And so I was a little confused about the kids changing. Cause from, from like the first vacation to European vacation, I had seen both those already, but I had never really put together that the kids were not the same kids. Like I didn't understand that it was a gag. Like Rusty looked similar enough that I probably didn't even recognize it. Whereas this is the first time where I'm like the first scene when they're in the car driving to the, to go get the Christmas tree. I'm like, hold on a second. That's not rusty. And Audrey, like what, what's going on here? I'm very confused. And so a little bit of the humor, I completely missed as a, as a younger kid, but as I've gotten older, like when I first saw it, I feel like, okay, maybe I related more with rusty. And as I've gotten older, now I relate more with Clark and so yeah my appreciation for it has certainly grown and grown as I've gotten older and older and now for sure it's it's you know I think his timing is great uh, him Randy Quaid is I think kind of just the secret weapon of this whole thing that that really ties for me ties it all together I think he is absolutely hilarious in this. absolutely and he wasn't even in so so just to rewind the, the backstory for where this this script even came from 
this is written by John Hughes and was based on a short story that he had written called uh, Christmas 59, which was sort of a sequel to Vacation 58, which we talked in depth about uh, in our National Lampoon's Vacation episode, which you can listen to in the archives at www.reconsideration.com. And we talked a lot about Hughes and his background and uh, the National Lampoon magazine and and where, where these a lot of these short stories uh, were uh, kind of debuted. But that got, you know, John Hughes his start. And the story for uh, for Christmas 59 is there's certain parts that are very similar to the movie. You can see where the sort of the roots came from, but they also had like there's other characters and and there's like a I think a Chinese uh, kid who's like staying with the family and who just causes like chaos and havoc and and there's sort of a huge wild ending in a different way than than the ending for for this movie turns out with the SWAT team and everything it's very chaotic but it, I think John Hughes you know a lot of the comedians from the 70s and 80s seem to like that SWAT team kind of ending <laughs> that we see quite a bit but um, and the the relationship with all the uh, the grandparents was was different they like the first time you see them they're literally like racing each other down the street to get to the house like that kind of level of competition um, so some of those notes translated and some of them didn't um, but uh, the the franchise was clearly a hit after the first film and but you've seen how it changes with the you know Harold Ramis kind of stepping away and and some of the other Maddie Simmons stepping away now it's transitioned to pretty much a Chevy Chase vehicle uh, after the success of the first film they went right into European Vacation which is a funny movie how, how do you guys feel about European Vacation I think it's funny I don't think it's as brilliant as the first and the third movies are. Uh, I, I, I remember liking European Vacation. I've only seen it a handful of times, honestly. Um, but every time enjoying it, because it is just sort of a, a just another misadventure uh, in, in strange European locations, exotic European places. But uh, I don't know, like I, I, it's 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 pretty good i think like it's funny like, it is it's funny i mean there's yeah. there's great bits and eric idol's really funny amy emmy yeah. he, oh, amy heckerling is a great director which we've talked about her mm. several times right uh it's just something about the movie to me like doesn't feel as organic as the other films did yeah i don't know how it holds up because i haven't seen it in such a long time but yeah. it was it was of the of the like that was the first one that I remember seeing. Like, I think I saw Vacation first, but as a really young kid, not really understanding what was going on, just kind of, it was on and I was there. But European Vacation was my, the one that first really introduced like the whole Griswold family situation mm -hmm. uh, to me. And then I, you know, then I went back and rewatched Vacation and, it's obviously, I think, in my opinion, superior to European, but I, I, I still had uh, quite an affinity for European vacation because it was kind of the first one that I remember 
seeing and, and yeah. liking and kind of turning me on to the, to the whole thing. Well, that, that came out in 85. So it's natural that that would have been one. Uh, I, I think a lot of people our age, that was probably the first one that they saw because they would have to wait for vacation on video or, or whatever. But uh, Matt, what about you? Are you a European vacation guy? Um, I loved the first one and we had it taped off of TV. So it was, you know, edited for television. So I could watch it. I was allowed to watch it. Uh, I hadn't seen European vacation, maybe not until after I saw Christmas vacation, to be honest, or it was right around that time. And I just didn't think it just didn't, didn't speak to me. And, uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's because I was young and, and I didn't understand like where they were going or like why, or like, it didn't really, I didn't connect with it in any way like I did with the first one, you know, the road tripping. Um, but uh, I, in my 20s, maybe, I think I look, gave it another look and enjoyed it more. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not a movie I would own in a collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's almost exactly my experience with it, too. That I, I, saw, I saw it on, I think Comedy Central used to run it uh, quite a bit during mm -hmm. the 90s. So I saw it there. I didn't catch it in the 80s. I definitely saw Vacation first that was my very first laser disc i bought that or i didn't my dad bought it with the laser disc so had to have a movie if you're gonna buy the player gotta get a movie so why not christmas vacation uh so that was uh the first one i saw then loved christmas um and then european i didn't i just i same thing i didn't really gravitate to it i i watched it again recently and enjoyed it um it was funny but not quite to the level of of the other ones so but you can feel the change of you know they've they've really stepped away from the kind of the raunchiness of definitely the first film a little bit of the second one and then you know here it's much more of a family film in in multiple ways that you know you have your one kind of uh i guess risque scene with with the uh, woman at the uh at the counter in the department store but that's really it like you don't see there's no breasts like there are in the other films you don't see beverly d'angelo you know naked so it's a little more uh pg than the other ones which i don't think is a bad thing for this storyline no hey, you don't need the the raunchy humor for this it's a it's, it's <laughs> i don't know this, this works perfectly um for 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 what it's trying to be i mean who who for for anyone who had family at Christmas time, I mean, there's something there's something that resonates, I would think, uh, in this movie for you. There's something there, if yeah. not almost identical, you know, adventures. There's there's so many characters to identify with that, and, and like Brent, like you were saying, as we get older with the movie, you can see it from the other perspective. So by the time yeah. we retire, you know, we're gonna look at it from the the grandparents side of it. I'm definitely the old guy smoking the cigar, blowing up, <laughs> lighting the tree on fire. Uncle Lewis, your Uncle Lewis. <laughs> yes. I, I don't see you as an Uncle Lewis type. I just want to. I just <laughs> want that carefree life. <laughs> hey, Grizz. Me and Bethany figured out the perfect gift for you. Oh, Uncle Lewis, you didn't have to buy me anything. Damn it, Bethany, he guessed it. Yeah. So Chevy Chase. Let's talk about him. Um, as he's kind of his career path has was always interesting to me that when he left saturday night live he was always it always seemed like he was going he was being set up to be a major major star that that was why he left 
He was going to have his own show. He started doing movies, but none of them, like, they may have been hits. Foul Play is a good movie. Um, but then there's there's a lot of misses in there. And even Caddyshack, which wasn't a hit at the time, is an ensemble piece. It's not till 83 that he really gets like his own vehicle. And then after that, it's it's kind of up and down. Like you've got Fletch, which is another, you know, lead role for him, but I don't know. Fletch doesn't I watched it so many times and I don't love Fletch. Like there's it, I've it never feels, I've never really been one a fan of of the Fletch movies. It, it feels like it should be a really lot hit. funnier than it is. It just isn't for some reason. Yeah, yeah, Fletch is kind of a stinker. Yeah. And then you got European Vacation which we spoke about, then Spies Like Us, which I loved as a kid. Loved yeah. it. And yeah. then I another movie I watched recently and I was like, wow, like this is not don't it tell just, me this, John. Don't, 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 don't shatter. Don't shatter. <laughs> what was the last time you watched it? In high school, for sure. Yeah. Working at Video Impact. I, yeah. That's got to be it. It's just, it's kind of the same thing repeating with Chevy that in a lot of his films are just, I, I have so many friends that love Spies Like Us or think that they love it. You remember loving it, but yeah, watching it now, it's, it just, doesn't work the same it, hmm. which is part of what we're talking about with the whole podcast is how these movies your perspective sort of changes changes on them yeah for sure um three amigos i think that one still works but uh 87 88 funny farm and caddyshack 2 i'm not a funny farm fan either i wasn't a funny farm fan and then i watched it probably i mean this is still a while ago but maybe 10 years ago and i had not laughed that hard in a long time really interesting yeah and then i watched it five years ago and it was like crickets i was like oh <laughs> this is like one of those things where you have to completely purge it from your mind and see it fresh one time and it's gonna hit and then and then if you go back it's once you know all the gags it's like it just doesn't hold up That's it didn't it. for me at least yeah yeah, yeah. sadly so and, and then fletch lives which I, I loved at the time, haven't seen it since, since it came out in 89. But yeah. I remember that being funnier. Like there's more like comedy gags he's doing in that one than in the first one. So mm. I think he was I, changing course a little bit. Yeah, I never really connected with either of the Fletch movies. So out of all those though, I mean, I would say Three Amigos is probably pretty, you know, I don't know if I'd say it's iconic, but it's pretty uh, a comedy heavyweight of the eighties for sure. Is it yeah. not considered a classic? I feel like it's a classic. Comedy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we can, we can put it in that category. Sure. Am I, I wrong? Seen it in so long. I, 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 but I really enjoy Steve Martin and Martin short. So, but I think it bridges generations, right? Like, I feel like, I feel like you can talk to younger not not like high school kids, but if you talk to like millennials and stuff, most of them have heard of Three Amigos. And I don't know. I don't know if it speaks. Do people to, talk like, about Three Amigos. I don't think they do. It still comes up. I Does, feel like you talk to a lot of kids about. Three I mean, Amigos. I work in cartoons, man. So <laughs> like you're fair. you know like maybe the oldest millennial is like forty, by the way. <laughs> well, true. That's the oldest. Listen, one. our audience knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Three Amigos for me was a big one of the big ones uh, that I watched in high school and college over and over and over right. again. 
Uh, but just thinking about it now, I feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't call that a Chevy Chase movie. I mean, yeah, he's in it, but he didn't feel like he was the, the star of that. He was kind of, he felt like a little third wheel-ish. Yeah, it, it, that's I, I, I did always see it as more of a Steve Martin movie with Martin Short, like right behind him and then Chevy Chase. Yeah, well, I think, I, I don't know. I think Steve Martin was a bigger draw when yeah. when it came out, right? Like he was a bigger name, like, well, I think he had more hits under his belt at that time. Yeah. And probably Martin Short might have too with Interspace. He was popular at the time for sure. Like during that during that time, Martin Short was, you know, in a lot yeah. and had a lot of name recognition for sure. But but that's the thing with Chevy is that a lot of these are not hits or the ones that they're that are as part of a team, that it's not him. Only only vacation is like the enduring uh a hit for him so he's finally you know coming back to that here with christmas vacation and i think he knocks it out of the park you know he hits like on all cylinders everything is sort of working for him in this movie everything that he does well he's doing it at his best in this film and then and this was it was like the last one i think for till maybe what community you throw a lot of hate towards Vegas Vacation, but I love that movie. <laughs> I, ju- I literally just watched it and I laughed like three times. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Three really good laughs. <laughs> um, I mean, this is definitely by far my favorite of the vacation movies. Yeah. I like you this know. way more than the, this second one. And the first one's good and all, but this they're, is it. This they're is the different one. to me, though. They're like, the first one feels like a, a summer road trip movie and this one I'm going to watch at Christmas time. So I can watch both movies every year. I don't, That's I watch this question. movie every year and then, and then maybe vacation once every five, 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my household, I've become Clark Griswold now. So I just identify with him so much. I, I agree with that. I mean, how many, that's, that's, I think what resonates most with any of the vacation movies for me at this point is that how many times do you try to make plans or give your family like some kind of like really awesome experience and it just blows up in your face. Yeah. I feel like every time I try and do something like that, like it absolutely is, you know, what can go wrong, will go wrong. It's oh, absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, Murphy's law for me. So well, and there's so much about that character that is so relatable. And I think that's honestly what works so well about this movie in a different way than the first film is that there is so much to um that you know viewers can relate to whether it's for me it's that moment where the doorbell rings and the grandparents have all arrived and it's the the sound effect as it gets deeper and deeper and then that slow push in is like like doom has arrived
Right. Folks, folks, Merry Christmas. You know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. You see this mole? This mole in my neck? You think it's changing color? No. Well, you keep touching it, it's getting redder. I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe them? Oh, mother. Isn't that terrible? You're not getting the garage space. I'm doing the parking. Ross, you want to help me? that one that one gets me like i remember that as a more as a kid than than now but just like oh my god the, the stampede of relatives is is here like i have to do this now yeah, and they nail it. I mean, they from the point where they come in and everybody's happy to see each other and there's kisses and hugs to going directly to the mole on the neck. Yep. And the hemorrhoids. It's just it's hysterical. The whole sequence from like the doorbells ringing um, to the, the call of doom there and then them coming in. I just it feels so real. Yeah. And there, there's so much throughout the entire movie. There's you can watch. So you can watch the actors in the background, what they're doing and all the little mannerisms that they're doing and all the little, you know, interplay that they have with each other. It's really quite brilliant. And that that's part of what makes these characters feel so real. I mean, how many times with, with like grand grandparents, when they come over, like, I don't know, at least with mine, it's that, that exactly what you said, Matt, like that's how it goes. Like you, you have this quick, catch up that morphs into what's wrong like like within 60 seconds and that doris roberts kissing uh johnny galecki you could feel the perfume just falling onto his skin you <laughs> yeah. know and him pulling away and <laughs> and and what did uh uh diane ladd offers to give him a quarter to like like bring in all the the luggage and everything <laughs> yeah great a quarter awesome but randy quaid's character is I mean, one of the best things about this movie too. And, and honestly, when you look back at like the merchandising, a lot of it's centered around him. And his character was not in Christmas 59, was not in the short story, and he wasn't in Christmas or European vacation. I think maybe maybe that was an element that was missing that they were like, well, that was kind of a hit. So let's bring that guy back. Yeah. Um, and he's just on fire in this movie. Yeah, I barred it off a buddy of mine. He took my house. I took the RV. <laughs> it's a good-looking vehicle, ain't it? Yeah, it's so nice parked in the driveway. Yeah, it sure does. But don't you go falling in love with it now, because we're taking it with us when we leave here next month. <coughs> Absolutely. He, he gets yeah. half the movie. I mean, only half the movie, but dominates. I mean, in every scene that he's in. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. It's just like, I don't know how many people really have a relative like Eddie, but there's always maybe something like he's such a cartoon um, that he's just, he's there's unapologetically Eddie and it's, he's so wacky and he, he makes all the, all the other characters normal, like, you know, yeah, or just right. intolerable. So it's like, he, he, 
it's just and he's so, and it's he's a, it's a well-written part so it's just the, the the gags are good the the jokes are funny like the way he just sees the world is very is interesting so. and, and his his wardrobe his outfits are, are, right. are fantastic like that that shirt that you can see through uh like that that's genius yeah. and the shoes that he's wearing those white shoes are those are the shoes that he gives clark in the first movie oh really it's, it's just like l- little things like that if you pick up on it it just I makes miss, it i miss the shoes thing but yeah yeah when they're in the grocery store or the the shopping center they're getting the uh the dog food and everything if you happen to look at his pants you just can't look away it's just they're so tight the and there's just, oh my god the, it, it, you just you're just locked in and there's a, in that scene too there's a lot of people who don't who i've talked to who never noticed the whole light bulb gag right mm. Yeah, where Eddie's loading the like heavy bags of of dog food, and just in the middle of it, Clark just slides in some light bulbs, and then they just get crushed immediately. (laughs) It's it's so subtle, though that 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 whole humor and Chevy Chase used to be so good at that of of you know just playing those notes, which are not easy because some of those like he doesn't like even Clark misses some of that stuff. It just things Mm -hmm. just happen, but. Uh, so great um you know going back to the rest of the family too the just uh, you know uh, like when when relatives would come over and stay over at the house like the you know siblings have to share bedrooms and that relationship between rusty and audrey of of having to share the room together and then you cut to the to uh eg marshall who's like looking up at the poster of the uh bikini the, mm-hmm. I forget which which model that was in the bikini, and he's just smiling, just laying there. <laughs> I great. always thought, assumed that was Cindy Crawford. Is that not Cindy Crawford on the it, poster? It looks like her. I don't know if it, I'd have to look again see if that was her or not. This was eighty nine. Was she? Was she? She was popular by the mid nineties for sure. Yeah, maybe that wasn't Cindy. I don't know. Might have just been right before her, but same, you know, similar uh, looking person. So. Mm-hmm. Uh. I also love, I love the neighbors. I love uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and Nicholas Guest are just great as the yuppie. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they would actually be neighbors. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. No. Yeah. Why are they live in that suburb? Yeah, like they would have a, a condo and and you know, Miami. Chicago or something. <laughs> I think right. Miami, but yeah. You know, that house that they live in is the Murtaugh house. I know. Yes. They, uh, I, I'm, I've, I've been recently spending quite a bit of time in the area where that was filmed and they're, uh, yeah, the, the Julie Louis Dreyfus house is the Murtaugh house from the lethal weapon films. So you can see in lethal weapon, you can see the, the, uh, Griswold house. That's right goes both ways my friend sure does full circle <laughs> that 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 yeah that that warner i think it's warner brothers right warner brothers yeah warner uh, ranch back uh so that same street because we just did lethal weapon i'm like oh yep they're there because you kind of have to shoot it the same way <laughs> like the right. same direction yeah. like curve around <laughs> yeah it's, it's really uh, not it's not a big street it's called blondie street it's it's like almost like yeah one long curve 
with like a street coming off of it. But there's, I don't know, there's only like maybe 12 houses or something there. Yeah. Uh, I've only been uh, there once uh, and saw some, drove that and uh, it's neat. And and literally across from those two houses is the the kind of field where the friend's fountain was. Right. Oh, is that right? They're literally like across the street from each other. That seems out of place. It does. Yeah. That that none of that fits together, but <laughs> Hollywood trickery. Yeah. So uh John Hughes, though, let's let's uh let's talk about him for a minute. John Hughes is in sort of a transition phase by 89 that he's really starting to move out of the the teen drama dramedy phase and into you know more of adult kind of stories that uh i think starting with planes trains and automobiles which we covered uh two two years ago already uh back in in the archives so you know once once that film comes out and and obviously we loved that film and it works so well especially that steve martin john candy combo I don't know if that just struck a nerve with him that that he's got more stories to tell from the uh, you know more grown up side of things than just the teenage side, but this is definitely this and planes trains feel like very, you know like like they're brothers or something, right? So I don't know I and this was maybe I guess Home Alone is right after this, and that's kind of the end of the real you know, John Hughes era, he would still produce films after that. And we talked about Dutch here as well, mm-hmm. that, you know, they just weren't really working the same way as his stuff in the eighties were. I don't know if, you know, I've, I've talked about it before too, that a lot of directors and writers, I feel like they have a certain amount of, of great films in them. And then when they reach that point, they either stop or they keep going and everything just is not nearly as good after that. And Hughes made a few movies and then completely stopped, or at least publicly. But this is still sort of in that last wave of, of great films. Yeah, because he'd have, what would he have right after this? Didn't he have? Or... Well, Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone, right? then yeah. like Curly Sue and, and Dutch. Yeah. And I'm yeah, probably forgetting did... something. But Uncle Buck and. Was She's Uncle having... Buck after this? Yeah. Uncle Buck was 89. He directed that one as well. Yeah. Uh, and then she's having a baby, but I don't think that one ever really caught fire. I barely remember that. I, I haven't yeah. seen that in so long. But uh, originally they were going to have Chris Columbus was going to direct this film and apparently rehearsed and met with Chevy Chase a few times. I think she began shooting some uh, some like establishing shots and uh did not get along with chevy and was uh i I don't know if he he left the project i don't know if he quit or or what happened but uh sort of as a make good he got the opportunity to to direct home alone so i think that worked out for him yeah and the director who took over is jeremiah chechik who's had a really kind of all over the place kind of career. He was, this is his first feature. He was a music video and a commercial director before this. And then afterwards does, I, I think, Tall Tale, uh, 
and he did Benny and June and a couple of other films and some TV stuff, but his career kind of, it doesn't seem like there's one sort of through line for him. It's just kind of, kind of all over the map, but hmm. was always surprising just seeing his name. Like, God, it, it doesn't like, it doesn't feel, it feels like somebody else should have directed this movie, but uh, I think he did a great job or he let Chevy sort of run the, run the show. Maybe that's what was going on. I think, I think, yeah, he's, it seems like he just, you know, he, he can, he can keep this story together. And I mean, and, and then I think he just let the talent do their thing. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, I have to imagine so this is a hard movie to walk into when, I mean, Chevy Chase is a pretty big deal at the time. So even though he hasn't had that super monster hit that we were talking about, like he's still, you know, he's powerful. Yeah, and he's kind of a jerk, <laughs> or you know, he's or he's just an a he's kind of a, a heavy guy, you know. He th- he throws his weight around, and uh, he's you know, and not yeah, not everybody gets along with him, right? So, yeah, he's he was. I mean, it's it's famous, it's out there that he's he's got a very you know particular personality, and and if he doesn't, uh, if he is, is not getting along with you, it's it's going to be real hard. It's going to be really hard to make that project with him and and you can hear story after story of it that as great as he is he's not always easy to get along with if you're not in his in his like inner circle it's going to be tough yeah you know and we saw that what years later on on community too that that he just was sort of miserable the entire time on that show and then you know exits way before the show is over so um so yeah i don't know somehow it worked between the two of them and honestly, like you said, it, it's really, it's sort of an actor's movie that it's really, this is not a complicated movie, cinematic graphically speaking, you know, there's the, the shots are not that there's, there's nothing really that crazy. It's just sort of like light it, point the camera and let's let, let the actors go. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so it's like funny little scenes and then like lots of little gags, you know, and it was just like getting all the little gags. And- yeah and stuff like that so it's it's uh all from the comfort of uh the warner's back lot yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. it's a cozy place yeah um but god there's so many great actors david we're going to talk about your favorite segment of the show who's in this movie let's do it <laughs> Uh, Beverly D'Angelo, of course is back there's not that many actors returning from from the other films uh, she's the only other actor who appears in every movie with him, right? I don't think anybody else does. Some people show up here and there, but right, she's the only one in all four or five. What if you count the new, the remake or the whatever newer movie? Sure, yeah. Because you get Randy Quaid, right, who's in everything but European, right, and then you get everyone else is new. Unless 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 you're counting Christmas Vacation two, and then Chase and Beverly D'Angelo are not in that, but Randy Quaid is. That's right. It's Eddie's movie, right? Yeah, that's right. I guess I I guess I kind of forget about that one. I've never even seen it. Was that directed? I actually didn't even know that it existed until researching for this for this episode. Yeah, I I think it was a directed video. Yeah, I think it was. Right, it had to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody seen it? Matt, have you seen Is it? Is that set at Thanksgiving? 
I, I couldn't tell there, you. There's it's, a Thanksgiving vacation, isn't there? No, it's it's on a like a deserted it's, island. Yeah, it's the, on the, an the, island. The story is like he was on basically Survivor, and oh. they leave him behind on this island, and then somehow that, Audrey I've, ends up there. I've never even heard about this movie <laughs> but i'm convinced there was a thanksgiving vacation that was a tv movie and That's possible and i think that was <laughs> probably wrong maybe i just invented this in my head i could have sworn i saw it on television and it was a randy quaid movie but maybe i just dreamed it i don't i can't find anything about it uh i'm doing it quick search right now maybe you're <laughs> you're dreaming another sequel that uh that you should write i could could be maybe i've already written it for all <laughs> i know <laughs> um so at all the all the grandparents are so great um we you know we talked about eg e. marshall and doris roberts and john randolph who was uh, you know a great actor who was in Prizzy's Honor and and uh, Serpico and um, and Diane Ladd, who by the way is only about eight years older than Chevy Chase, so right. <laughs> that was I was like, oh, she's yeah, she's pretty young, but okay. And of course, we get Brian Doyle Murray, who is a familiar face. Are you the one who was working on that non-nutritive cereal varnish? Yes, sir. I've got to give a speech to a trade group. I'd like to mention it. Write up a brief summary and have it to me by the end of the day. My pleasure. Layman's terms, none of that inside bullshit jargon that nobody understands. Back from, he was in the first movie as, uh, what was he, at one of the campsites that they, they stayed in, he was the, the host. But uh, yeah, That's right. This is the Brian Doyle Murray. This is like classic Brian Doyle Murray. When I think of him, this is what he looks like to me. This and, you know, yeah. Wayne's World. But you, you forget that there's a Brian Doyle Murray who looks like he did prior to this, which is very different. Yeah, the gray hair, mustache, bald. Well, he's always yeah. bald, but it's the gray hair and the mustache that—that's how I identify him. But yeah, so when you watch Caddyshack, you're like, oh shit, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> like totally it seems like a different guy. Yeah, absolutely. But he's so great in in this as as Clark's boss, and another you know another sort of angle that's so identifiable that. The Christmas bonus, you know, that that he's counting on that bonus. And those scenes in the office are very, you know, he's talking to Sam McDonald, right? Is that his name? Sam McDonald? Uh Sam McMurray. Yeah. McMurray. Sam McMurray, uh, who was awesome in Raising Arizona and a million movies. You know, he's that those are the sort of those heartwarming sort of moments that that he's being real and serious and and you can tell how much how important this is to him that he counts on those bonuses. But uh Brian Dollar Murray is so great as as the just jerk boss who doesn't even know Clark's name and Clark's been there for years. Right. And, and by the way, does. that that business is like what they're they're doing food additives. Is that that's what Clark specializes in. That's his job now. Yeah. yeah. Like a food additive spell at Schlist or something, right? Did yeah. Is, and <laughs> that's a real, that's got to be a real job. Well, sure. Someone's got to put food additives exist. So, yeah. 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 That, that keep the cereal crunchy. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's up for they're... food additive uh, specialist of the year, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I think they're chemists. Of course. So, like, yeah. Could like Clark have more of a, you know, 
one more you know just dad job than that like working for a big corporation and and you know in in the office wearing a suit and tie and and like the, you know you wouldn't bring him to you know career day at school right because it's like it's just some yeah what are you gonna it's say like, it's like a blah job it's like you might as well be like a an accountant or something but like they they it's very hyper specific and I like that creativity of that. It's just like a nothing job. It's an important job for the industry, I'm sure. But, you know. You get his, in the 45 second scene that that, that they they do, they cover it. You see that Clark is actually, he kind of likes his job. And he gets excited about talking about the product that he's been working on. And and, uh, and that's endearing, I think. Like, you know, this character for all of his flaws, uh, you're just on his team the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 somebody's dad or your own dad kind of thing. If uh, you know, yeah. It's charm. It's charming to see him excited about it. Well, what everyone else views as a very mundane, boring job that he gets, he gets excited about it. And he loves. He really, honestly, like loves what he does. It's you don't see that very often. I think but, if only if, if if at the very least so that he can grease the bottom of the sled so that he can uh, <laughs> set the new world record for downhill sledding. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got all the tools. That's that's one of those scenes that's just sort of God, you can almost cut that scene out of the movie. It really doesn't like almost doesn't ma- matter in the grand scheme of things. It's just, you know, more physical comedy, but but it's that's great nonetheless that of course like he's going to spray that on his sled and yeah. you're right i think it could it could definitely be cut out i think it's distracting every time i watch it i just can't get past how how the speed his speed changes with every shot yeah yeah um but oh, at yeah. least you get cousin eddie doing bingo at the end which is just he nails like that's worth it it makes the whole thing worth it yeah right yeah, that one well, line. the Eddie moments. Yeah. yeah, the Eddie moments in general. I mean, even when he's explaining the how he had to move to a plastic plate in his head versus right. versus the metal one. Yeah, messes up the part in his head. <laughs> It'll mess up the part in his head. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I, there's there's just lots of little moments for 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 funny stuff like you know these like it, not every scene is uh, is vital to uh the story but that's yeah. what that's what the yeah these this it's subtle slice of life for this you know for this christmas time story and the family and christmas shopping and I, they probably felt like they had to put in one one bigger comedy gag somewhere like right you know right where it is that you know the they the studio probably felt like the audience needed something big to laugh at instead of just all the subtle and, and smaller jokes, you know, peppered throughout. It's like, oh, let's give them one big one, and then we don't get another one till the big ending. So, yeah, I love I mean, the, the fir- opening though too. I mean, I love first of all the opening animation sequence, which is out of nowhere, but it's right. great. Like I would watch it's very that popular for the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. We uh, made it openings with the Mavis Staples uh, theme song. So this is the only film that does not feature Holiday Road at some point. Hmm. 
Uh, but this is a great song to open the movie with. And then them, them getting the Christmas tree. So many things about this entire sequence. Where are they? Why are they, <laughs> why have they driven so yeah. far away to get a tree? Right. And then the whole bit, you know, obviously the car stunt gag is funny. That's pretty on the nose. And apparently that truck that's chasing them is the same truck used by our dear friend, Kurt Russell in Overboard. I oh. heard that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but, uh, you know, when, when they get to the tree, you know, they finally like trek through the snow to the point where the kids are like frost bitten. And then this tree is enormous. It's gigantic. Like <laughs> yep. the thought of uh, doesn't occur to Clark of how are you going to get it out? How are you going to fit it in the house? Like none of that. It just, he just does it. And then when they cut to the tree on top of the car and them driving away, it's, you just have to use your imagination of how the hell they got that tree out of there. Yeah. Right. Did, did dig they it dig out. it with their hands? Like, well, exactly. It's, it almost doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. <laughs> Well, it doesn't make sense, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's an amusing sight gag. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. And that's part of what makes it funny. Yeah. Sure. It's silly. Well, that, that's, that's there's absurd. so much of that. There's so much of that in this movie. Right. And, and that's, yeah. And that's what part of what I feel like makes this movie work so well is that it doesn't get to the point where I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about my suspension of disbelief and I'm like, taken out of the movie like none of that really happens for me so i i don't know i don't know if you guys feel the same way but to me it just always stays on that side of the line yeah i think i think there's a bunch of great little gags in there that kind of all all work they're all absurd but it's you know i think it's kind of just you know I, i've mentioned this before on the podcast like i'm not a huge fan of like the slapstick comedy styles but but a lot of these gags for me, you know, for whatever reason, don't take me out of it. Like I just, they kind of roll with the punches and, you know, they, they all seem to fit the, the um, design of the storytelling and, the, and, and what they're doing. So I think they all kind of work. I think, you know, I mean, there's obviously the tree is one, the, the sled is another, the cat, you know, getting fried, eating the, the electric cord is another yeah i mean there's they're yeah. all over the place yeah the dog and the squirrel and yeah yeah uncle everything with uncle lewis you know the dry turkey like yeah yeah i worry about that every year every year when i cook a turkey <laughs> i think about this scene of i'm gonna cut this thing and it's just gonna <laughs> pop open and be a disaster inside yeah I don't a know how you do turkey, that to a turkey. Of turkey skin. Yeah, yeah, how do you how do you do that to Like a were you cooking it for like 4 days like to have it be that dry? But how do you preserve so the outside looks so delicious? Right. Yet you cut into it and the inside looks like something you would see, I don't know, in a crypt somewhere. It's really gross. Yeah. Uh, you know, just... at, at at the heart of the movie though, Clark just he just wants to have a good time he just wants to do what's right for his family and uh and have an enjoyable christmas and but the funny part is like he gets in his own way all the time and and sort of stops that not stops it from happening but um just makes it a lot harder to to do just by his own his own expectations is just too much 
So he gets desperate to get there to, to reach that expectation. And that's partly for me why, and, and it's probably part of Chevy, but it's just like some Clark really annoys me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like I find him really annoying, but like he's endearing, you know, he has his endearing moments and he's not, he's not always annoying or whatever. But I'm like, Jesus, man, like take a break. <laughs> well, he's just always he's in a, his own way. Yeah. You know? Like always. It's just, it's a lot. He's a, he's a lot to deal with. <laughs> I find him exhausting. <laughs> yeah. His whole but, obs- obsession with the lights, you know, you're talking about at the studio a lot here, how many lights, David, that you've been putting up. Yeah. It's perfect take, that we're covering this movie. It takes a while, but the funny thing is like, it's the lights that, I, I, I dig the lights. I, I dig like the, the effort he puts in. I'm not saying, even, but the way he talks about it all, like, it's just, he just can't let it go. What's, but what's great is so many things happen that have nothing to do with his, his own, his own stuff. You know, like he, it's the, the relatives uh, that create a lot of chaos and all that. And so there's, it's not just him, which is great. Like if it was, if it was always Clark, the whole time always creating problems i think he'd be it's a lot more annoying but it's the mixture of like all the characters that you know it's he's the star of this movie but you know thank god we have everyone else there yeah because and that's probably why like vacation is just kind of annoying to me because he's just that he's just in command and annoying his whole family i like vacation and everything but it's just like oh boy clark's a lot you know well, and he, you know he, he wants the whole the whole family there. Like that's his vision of the perfect Christmas is everybody there. Yeah. But along with that come all of these problems. That yeah. He now has to deal with. Yeah. And he's a, you know, he so he he's he he's a trooper. He goes, you know, he's gonna make it work. I get it. <laughs> the the uh sequence in the attic is another one that I, I love for a few reasons. I, I love the fact that he goes up there and Doris Roberts, I think, right? Like, like sees that the attic stairs are open, <laughs> meaning someone is probably up there and she, she just shuts it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Without telling anyone. Like, And so he's locked up there, which I don't know. I think in my house, it was the same thing. Like you couldn't open the stairs for some reason. I don't know if there was some lock on it or what, but. I could never wrap my head around how he couldn't just push that back down. But well, yeah, we had the same that same stairs to our attic in my house growing up and at least my parents maybe they lied to me but they had oh, they said, did yeah probably to keep you out of the attic <laughs> exactly yeah there you go but uh i don't know so he obviously can't open it and then he's stuck up there finds the the gift that he was going to give uh ellen in 1983 which would have been right after the first movie yeah isn't that isn't that a little nod to the first movie yeah couple yeah. nods yeah uh nod to that and then he finds the old films which are sort of referencing the short story yeah um and he dresses up in all those old women's clothing and then just that moment of like <laughs> him just getting then they come home and ellen opens up the attic and he's sitting on the at- of course he's sitting on the attic door and just drops down and like both of them would be seriously hurt <laughs> and you know well, he's he's already fallen through the ceiling yeah yeah like just, just knock the rest of the ceiling out and climb out yeah and call it a day you can fix those panels. yeah you're already gonna have to patch it just 
I do like that scene a lot. First of all, the Ray Charles song is the first time I ever heard that song and it was awesome. I love that song. I, yeah. This is the soundtrack I needed to have after this movie, but, um, but the, you know, from the beginning, he tells Russ in the car that we're going to have a good old fashioned family Christmas, a uh, fun family Christmas. And, and he keeps saying that we're going to do it. You know, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. And then you get to see through the old film reels that, you know, what he experienced growing up. And you could tell like in that moment, this is what he wants. Like, this is what he wants for his family. Sure, you're just seeing the edited films put together and you, the, your memories are kind of edited like that. You kind of forget all the bad things that happen or the chaos that might happen. But you kind of in that moment understand what's really, you know, what's really driving him for this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of heart that that makes sense uh, for for the character, and they present that they get they 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 feed it to you, dribs and drabs. It's nice. Uh, and of course, I love I love the moment where he's just you know looking out the was it the kitchen window and or the front window with Ellen and and sees what Eddie is doing. What are you looking at? Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn. The clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. Shitter was full! Ah, yeah. You checked our shitters, honey? Clark, please. Oh, yeah. Dumping oh, the yeah. sewage. So that's, oh, yeah. that's like, you know, uh, that's, uh, you're setting that up nice and early, and you have no idea that that's going to pay off at the end of the movie. But, like, the shitter was full. That's that's what you do when it's full. You got to dump it somewhere. Yeah, and it's so yeah. disgusting because he's dumping it like all over the place. Like, yeah, so nasty. <laughs> Drinking a beer and smoking a cigar in yeah. his a, a right. short short bathrobe. Yeah, but it's like Clark. The way Clark is looking at it, it, it he goes back and forth from kind of this wild, over the top sort of goofball character to like this real like that's you know like more of a real person that you can identify with that's that's what's so great about the clark griswold character in in this movie in particular just going circling back one more time to the to the weird sort of timeline of this franchise all right one one sort of note about this whole the whole the fact that rusty and audrey are different in every movie that always stuck out to me. It stuck out when I saw a Christmas vacation in the theaters that like, Oh wait, are these, and then, then uh, cousin Eddie's kids are the same, like different ages, like nothing matches up. Nothing's consistent movie to movie. And like, are they different? Are they different sets of kids? Like did Rusty and Audrey, like is one of them Russ and the other's Rusty and one of them like graduated and is out of the house. And these are two different kids. Like what was happening here? Um, because so all the, the same questions I had when I <laughs> yeah. first saw this movie too. Yeah. Like and who's older in, in this one, it's, exactly. it's Audrey is older, isn't right. it? Yeah. Yeah. And in the others, it's rusty. It's rusty. Yeah. It's so, it's so bizarre. It's, it's so bizarre. But I think part of a theory that I've, I've discovered was that's done. Maybe they're, they're making an excuse for it, but they're saying it's done maybe intentionally that it's to comment on the fact that Clark is so he has all these grand ideas and these visions and of, of this great family life, this great holiday, 
but he can't see the forest for the trees that he doesn't even realize that his kids are entirely different people right in front of him. He's so focused on like the other things, the bigger things. I don't know. I, I, like I could see that about his character, obviously not literally, but sort of interesting way to look at that. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's just, it's just an artistic, you know, choice. It's, every every family at different stages of different aged kids and it they're they're more an idea than they are like yeah. a real family i don't know so yeah it's, exactly. it's best not to even think about it <laughs> yeah just another absurdity yeah yeah the uh well and that sort of plays into the timeline of like when do these movies happen in relation to each other like this this could happen uh, this could be 1984, could be 85. It doesn't have to be 89. I would say yeah. it's probably because you see some Wally World references in there. It's probably, you know, after the first film. Right. Yeah, I didn't even, you know, I knew about the the moose eggnog cups, but I never until this actual viewing to review it. I'm like, oh, wait, that's that's Wally World. I never, never put it together. Yeah. For some reason. So that was cute. Yeah. Well, I want to, I really wanted in the attic them to throw some pig in the poke costumes or just something right. from the other movies. And I guess the gift uh, kind of pays off. But if that was it's it, it was for Mother's Day, so I and I believe the vacation happened after Mother's Day. So um, you know, I'm not sure, but I think they had an opportunity to do something in the attic, and they just didn't. You know, who cares? But it was there. They, yeah. they had a. They, they were trying to get a lot in in that attic scene. Yeah, they were. But I agree. It would have been nice to see. I mean, I. I don't think there was anything in there that was referenced to European vacation, so that no. could have just happened anywhere. Right. In the timeline. I mean, like it could be a world where that was. I don't know. Could could it have been like vacation, Christmas vacation, then European vacation, all within sort of like a year and a half period? Could be. That's a lot. A lot, a lot of traveling, a lot of chaos <laughs> for for an eighteen month period of time. But theoretically, or in theory, I suppose. Uh, we talked about the soundtrack a little bit, but the, I think the soundtrack for this is perfect. Like, there's not, and, and it's interesting because the score is done by Angelo Badalamenti, who I think is most famous for having done all the David Lynch movies. And it's weird to think like he would immediately after this go right into Twin Peaks. I can see how these don't relate at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, I, I guess. But hey, this score is good. And so many great songs on the soundtrack, the Ray Charles, Mavis Staples, uh, you know, Meli Kaliki Maka is, is so great. You know, that, yes. that sort of fantasy, Clark's fantasy sequences are just... <laughs> like hilarious and, and seeing that you know he sees that vision of the pool that he's going to use his christmas bonus to buy or build um and his vision of what that would be and just how it morphs into like eddie invading and taking over that is just <laughs> another hilarious moment oh boy but uh i don't know and one other you know thing a smart business move for this franchise if you get if you get a chance to be in or write or direct 
or be a participant in a Christmas movie, that's just a good idea on a business level because these movies are always popular. Even if they're not great, people are going to watch them over and over and over. Obviously, (laughs) if they are great, it's even better. But That's why uh, Netflix every holiday season now releases like 30 new... It's like 30 days of, of new holiday movies. Yeah. <laughs> Bananas. It's, it's, a whole, it's a whole business. The Christmas movie is a whole business. And there's so many, you know, the, the Hallmark and Lifetime movies that people are addicted to those things. And they're terrible movies. They know they're terrible, but they also know people, there's, there's an audience for it. But they're heartwarming and, <laughs> you know, filled with, you know, I, I'm with Matt. Like, I know you mentioned it earlier that these are like, you like, you, you kind of love the, those kind of movies. Like I could sit down and watch any one of those like Hallmark. I watch all the Netflix ones as they come out each yeah. year. Even it was like, I, do I really need to watch holiday? No, I don't need to watch holiday, but I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, like every single, like, I can't help it, man. I love it. Like they're, they're just always so, uh, joyful i guess you know what's better you know even if even if they're even if they're not great they're still i like i like that they're trying to bring joy to people's people's life you know what's better than holiday you tell me holiday two haven't seen that one yet (laughs) i don't know if they've made it but i'm sure it's gonna be great did watch eight bit christmas though just this last i'm i'm gonna watch that too just haven't done it yet yeah I'll wait. I'll wait to to tell you anything yeah, about it no, until you no see it. No spoilers, please. Um, you what about Christmas in the Rockies? You do you watch any of those Christmas in the you know the, those Hallmark movies? I haven't seen many of the Hallmark ones because I think for a while you had to have the Hallmark Channel right to, to see them, and I I didn't have access to it. I think they're all on Hulu, or a bunch of them are on Hulu now. Yeah. It's a treasure chest. Um, all right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's see how the movie did. Let's talk a little box office glory. So, Christmas Vacation was filmed in the spring of 1989. They shot in Breckenridge, Colorado, for clearly all the exterior scenes and the the sledding and and the opening sequence, uh, but mostly in Warner Brothers in Burbank. It uh, it had a budget of twenty five million dollars, which seems huge for a movie like this. Sure does. Where did the, all that money that had to go I mean, to salaries? Che- well, definitely Chevy, and uh, and Beverly D'Angelo, who mm-hmm. by the way is sort of the unsung hero of of the franchise of having to Ellen having to deal with Clark and just just put up with everything that comes with him and still love him uh, is she's the real hero here. Yeah. Uh, she's fantastic. Just to, I know we didn't spend too much time there, but uh, she's amazing, especially in this movie. Um, I mean, she's gorgeous and she's heard some of the, the best lines are coming from her about being miserable at Christmas and we just all have to deal with it. And, um, but also, you know, just it, totally endeared to, to Sparky, to Clark. And um, you kind of you're rooting for them to have a great Christmas together. You don't want it to 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 explode, and you don't want to see them breaking up. Obviously, you want them, you know, to be in this together, and they are for the most part. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there, there's uh, 
there's something warm and attractive, not just about her physically, but like about her as a person that she's willing to be so giving for the family and for him that, uh, you know, she just, she just puts up with it. And, and they both get driven to the point of going sort of crazy at times. Uh, but the way she plays it is so, so perfectly done. I mean, it's the best role that I think Beverly D'Angelo, who's had a great career, but this is like her, this is her shining moment. Um, okay, so it had a budget of $25 million. It opened December 1st, 1989. It was the only new release that, uh, that week. But it only, uh, it only landed at number two. Do you guys know what was still in the number one position at that point? Any guesses? Have we talked about it on this podcast? Uh, I, it's probably been mentioned, but we have not done an episode about it. Hmm. Or about anyone in the series that it's in. Back to the Future Part 2 is still at the number one spot. Mm. Still got that movie ticket. There you go. Are you looking yeah, at it? That's awesome. I said Fletch Lives. I didn't have Fletch. I was just looking at these. But yeah, I was trying to look at my tickets to see if any of the ones around it had I seen it. But that makes sense. I do remember seeing Back to the Future Part 2 in November. Yeah. Yeah, well, we did a we did a an episode on the the summer of 1989 because there were so many big movies out oh, there. Oh, I, I listened to that. That was a good one. Well, thank you. I, thank I you. I recommend anyone listening now to go back to the archives. So what's that web? www.reconsinimation.com <laughs> and make sure you can. That was a really good one. Uh, much appreciated. Batman was that year too, right? Oh yeah, Batman, Last Crusade, uh, License to Kill, Lethal Weapon Two. Like there was, there's a ton that summer in particular, but the whole year of 89, it's a lot of big movies and back to the future Two came out. Uh, I can't remember the, the exact release date, but that was a huge, huge movie falling at number three, right behind Christmas vacation was Harlem nights, Harlem nights with oh, wow. Eddie, Eddie Murphy and, and the whole slew of legendary uh, comedians. The Christmas vacation opened with 11.7 million uh, it did a total domestic run of $71.8 million, so that's a hit. Uh, it ended up as number 15 of 1989, right between War of the Roses and Turner and Hooch. So Chevy, hmm. you know, just landed right ahead of our good friend Tom Hanks, who we just covered last month in a, a slew of episodes. I'm going to jump in here again, and I'm going to say if anyone has not listened to the Joe versus the Volcano episode. <laughs> uh, big, big props to Brent to just delivering an education in fine cinema. <laughs> I am on team Joe versus the Volcano. It's a top 10 movie all time. Thanks, Matt. Nice. Oh, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. Look at that. Look at that. We're finding all the, all the fans of Joe versus the Volcano are just coming out of the woodwork now. More people need to watch that movie. I think that's, um, that's the, that's, I think, the biggest takeaway. I think Mr. Spielberg is going to owe you a check uh, after, after probably after this quarter. <laughs> Just add it to the others. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This is uh, Christmas Vacation ends up number number two of the franchise behind the uh, 2015 Vacation and ahead of the 1983 Vacation. So if you count the newer film. Christmas Vacation is number two. If you don't count it, it's the highest grossing film of the franchise. So, do we count it? Do we? I don't think I we don't, count it. 
I don't think so. I mean, I, mean, I, I know it's supposed to be a continuation, right? Because it's it's it's, it's, it's rusty. Yeah. Wait, how about the like the the number of money per per theater that it made? Does that compare to the twenty? Because in twenty fifteen, how many theaters? It's like four thousand theaters. Right. There's so many more. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. So I would say Christmas Vacation tops, but off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still with the. I don't think, I don't know that you can count the new one, but it, it seems weird to not just because it is a continuation. But yeah, and both Chevy and Beverly are, you know, they're in that. It's yeah. like, but it's tough. It's well, a tough one. The 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 post vacation franchise, it kind of goes all over the place. You know, it's really inconsistent. You know, at least with the first three films, you had John Hughes as that. Uh, I wouldn't say he's the singular voice of of these movies because there's multiple people involved here, but he's one of the consistent voices. And then he's gone after uh, after this one. I, I can't remember if he's involved at all with Vaca- Vegas Vacation. I don't think so. But if anything, it's it's sort of a credit only. Um, yeah we can do an episode on, on Vegas vacation. I just don't think in general that that movie has the heart that the first and the third movies have. Um, It feels very nineties. It feels sort of forced to me that like, okay, we're just, we don't really have a great idea, but we're going to go with it. And Oh yeah, we got to get Eddie involved. And, And it's like trying too hard to get it to work. And it's just, and the gags just aren't as funny. I would agree with you for the most part, but I think some of the gags are pretty good. Like I like I like the kind of off the off the strip uh, casinos that Eddie takes Chevy to. I think that that scene is really really great. Um, and I like the what is it, Papadakis or what I forget. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that whole like thing that, that with Ethan, Ethan Embry's got going on. Like, I think that that's all pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, like, yeah, it's choppy for sure. Like it doesn't, I don't know, like I'd have to go back and rewatch European vacation, but you know, like if I were to compare all these against each other, uh, you know, uh, at this point, although I love Vegas vacation, uh, it's going to be, you know, in, in the, in the bottom half for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then they've tried uh, television pilots here and there. Um, I think they've tried to reboot it a couple of times. And then the newer film in 2015 with Ed Helms as rusty was, I thought it was okay. There's definitely funny parts to it. And it is, you know, according to them, it's a true sequel. Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo do show up. You do see them you know, as Clark and Ellen, it's just, I kind of don't want to see the, like, to me, they are the franchise and I don't want to see somebody else take it over. Like, I I just want to see Clark and and Clark and Ellen. Yeah. They should do a new one where they like rent, uh, they like buy a a Winnebago, like an old couple driving across the United (laughs) States in a Winnebago. (laughs) Oh God. I don't know if they could do it, but, uh, they could pull it off. Uh, there's a few funny gags, but overall, I don't think, you know, it, like a lot of the reboots and remakes, it was like, okay, there's a couple of good things, but overall, like it's nothing compared to the originals. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, of I, course, I we, we mentioned Christmas Vacation 2 starring Randy Quaid. That is a total, you know, straight to move straight to video movie. Most people don't know that exists. Kind of like they don't know A Christmas Story 2 exists. But yeah, that's, that's true. But there's a lot of people in Christmas Vacation 2. Like, I mean, Eric Idle's back, uh, but Fred Willard, you know, like Hello. Ed Asner. I mean, there's just a, like, for straight to the bargain bin, you know, there's kind of a bunch of different names there. What year did that come out? Uh, that came out in 2003. 2003. It was okay. a TV TV movie. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All those guys were, I mean, Ed Asner was in Elf the same year, and Fred Willard was right in the middle of all the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. Huh. Well, maybe, hey, we'll do a we'll do if we ever get the Patreon going, maybe we'll do Christmas Vacation 2 on that one. There we go. <laughs> um, all right. So where does this uh, against all the vacation movies is where does this rank? I'm guessing this is one or two for everybody. For me, this would be, I think I'm going to say number one, one. Yeah. I think I already said number one, but yeah, yeah. I'll say it again. I agree. It's number one. Got it. All right. All across the board. There you yeah. go. I would then say vacation is my second favorite. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and for me, it's close. Like I could, I could ask me tomorrow and I could, I could flip flop. Yeah. I don't think I could flip flop, but it's solid number two. All right, guys. Well, well, with all of that being said, I think it's time that we, we get the interns, we get the 30, 35 millimeter film print out of storage and uh, open up cinema 12 down on the studio lot. And I think it's time for us to, have a, a vacation fran uh, franchise marathon, but mostly we'll just, we'll stick with the Christmas vacation. We'll watch that a few times. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just watch that one on repeat. Yeah. Just like, like uh, it would have been on TV. Are they running this on TV now? Like, I don't does think this I've ever really seen it on TV. I, th it I think doesn't... it's been on, but they don't run it. I don't think anybody runs it like uh, they did with Christmas story. No, not, I mean, Christmas Story has got the market kind of cornered on the repeat viewing run. Yeah. run. Well, didn't they uh, stop doing It's a Wonderful Life, too? I, I heard that they stopped. I don't know. I don't watch regular TV anymore, so. Well, I feel like there are several channels that do the 30 Days of Christmas or something in, mm -hmm. of that nature where every day is like they show another holiday movie. I'm sure that this one shows up on some of those lists. Yeah um along with the others but uh but i don't know like i always just watch it like i have my own copy that i just watch every year oh yeah yeah i think i've gone through like two of them but uh anyway so we're let's take a look at that down at cinema 12 and we're gonna gather all the kids around we're gonna matt are you gonna read uh naughty week to to the the, the youths of recon cinema studio Yes, I'll read a passage. I'd be happy to. <laughs> Great. Awesome. All right, we'll spread the word. But uh, Matt, tell everybody again where can where can they pick up Naughty Week? Naughty Week is available, uh, you know, on Amazon or anywhere uh, you buy your books. Anywhere books are sold, you can get it 
in paperback or hardcover. You can also get you can get the ebook if you got a Kindle, uh, and you can download the audiobook. Um, so it's available in all formats. And uh, if you want to purchase it, you can go to Amazon or, like I said, anywhere you can you buy your books. And if you uh, go to your library and ask them for it, they can get it for you. Nice, great. Nice. Uh, well, we're we're gonna spread the word, and uh, and uh, it was great having you on, Matt. It's been uh, long overdue. Maybe you're gonna have to just be our resident holiday expert. Mm-hmm. I would love that. I had so much fun. I would love to do this again with you guys. Um, uh, and uh, maybe I'll I'll reach out when the next book in the series is uh, ready, and we could do Halloween. I love it. Awesome. We're working on our, our 2022 lineup right now. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you in there for sure. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just one last note uh, on a personal level. Um, uh, you guys started this podcast about three years ago. Is that right? And, yeah, they're, they're about. Okay. And I just remember, you know, go, I was sort of going through some stuff in my life, some personal stuff, and I... You know, nothing tasted as good. Like, I didn't like listening to music or even watching movies anymore. And I found out about this podcast and I started listening to it. And it really helped. Like, I'll give you guys, you know, just a little gratitude, just a little gratitude here. It helped me reclaim that passion I had for movies. And, uh, and for, like I said, I'll tell anybody if you like movies, you should listen to this podcast because it's a lot of fun and it makes you want to just, you know, jump in and join the conversation. Well, thank you, sir. That's, That's awesome. Uh, that Thanks means a lot. A lot. Wow. Thanks, guys. Wish you the best uh, in 2022. And same to you, my friend. Uh, and and happy holiday season to everybody listening. We, we appreciate all you guys, and, and we hope you have a great holiday. A quick thank you to some of our other friends as well. Uh, Jay Blake Vachera with Scored to Death. Check out his podcast. Check out uh, E.K. Wimmer, who does our theme music in his show, Laser Graves. Uh, and our, our good friend Curtis, who who was uh, uh, doing all of our artwork, and we appreciate that uh, every every week. And guys, have a great holiday. We will see you on the next episode of Reconsinimation. Take care. Ho ho ho. This is what Christmas is all about. I'll uh, park the cars and check the luggage and uh, I'll be outside for a season.